And before we read, would you please pray with me? Lord, we know that whatever was written in your word in the former days was written for our instruction so that through the endurance and encouragement of the Spirit, we might have hope. Would you work your hope now in us? Would you help us to become faithful followers of you? Guide us now by your word. Would you bring light to our minds and hearts by your spirit? We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, This is the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. I want to read here just these first uh, four verses. So this is Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood." This is God's word. Now, we are drawing near here to the end, finally, of the book of Hebrews. And the author is focusing in these final chapters, focusing our attention on a life lived by faith. That faith is really to span the whole of our Christian lives. So even if you don't know uh, or remember a day in which you did not know Jesus, even if you don't know exactly what day you came to be a follower of Jesus, I don't happen to know that day for myself. Even if you don't know that day, still, from the day that you were born again of the Spirit, to the day in which you breathe your last breath on earth. Faith is part of that every day. Faith is part of our every step as Christians. And that's a really long way. The author here is describing all of these steps of faith taken together like a very long race, like a marathon, The call to us you you see here at the end of verse 1 is, let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And and that might remind us of other parts of Scripture. You might remember that these are some of Paul's very last words recorded in the Scriptures. That Paul says of himself, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Can you imagine getting to put that on your tombstone? I 
have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I would be honored if that were deemed to be true of me in my final days. And I have to admit, this is just a personal note, maybe this is true of you too, that I recognize that every call to us in Scripture is good. This is from God, and what God says is good. But not every call from God hits me in exactly the same way. Not every call digs right down deep to my heart. Not every call draws me in in quite the same way, but this one does. There is something about this call that I find deeply desirable. I, I want to be able to say that I ran the race of life with endurance to the end. I want to become that, even if it's very costly. I used to be, in my high school days, a cross-country runner. And if you can't tell, well, it's because I'm not that anymore. I wasn't even that much of it then. I was never very good. Uh, but I remember, in particular, one cross-country race. So we jog, run, plod. Was, uh, you know, I'm plodding through three miles. And at one point in one particular race, as I'm running through the kind of crowd of folks, I see, stuck in the mud, a shoe a runner's shoe, just one shoe stuck there. And it was one of the best races I ran just because I could not get this out of my head. It was a very good distraction that everywhere I was going I was constantly checking the other guys going, who's missing a shoe? It was this sort of perpetual, uh, you know, mystery uh, to me. And some of this, you know, as I saw it, I thought, that just seems crazy. Who leaves a shoe behind? But something was also admirable to me about that. Something that I wanted for myself. I admired the sort of tenacity or determination that it would take to leave a shoe behind. That even if I finished that cross-country race dead last, there would still be a sense of dignity if I had lost a shoe and kept on going. And I had to wonder, what kind of person does that? I think that's what the author is after here. He's not just telling us what to do. He's driving after what kind of people we are. Or maybe more fittingly, what kind of people we become. Because endurance is not just about getting through. Endurance is not just about sucking it up and pushing through the pain until you collapse at the finish line. Sometimes I catch myself falling into that mindset at various points of life. You know, if only I could get through X. If only I could get through final exams. You know, if only I could get through this hard conversation that I know I need to have. If only I could get through the next paycheck. Or if only I can get through potty training my kids. If only I can get through a, a particularly long day of work. Or 
if only I could get through the particular pain of a loss. If I can get through harvest season or or tax season or, or holiday season, that will really be it. And there may be some wisdom into focusing our attention at certain times of life. However, if we approach our lives this way, as always trying to get through just to the next thing, we will end up wishing our lives away. And that is not what God has made us for. And that is not what he is calling us to here. Endurance here is not just about getting through. It is about being transformed by Jesus as we carry through. It is about building stamina, being made stronger, becoming the kind of people that can lose a shoe and still run by faith in Jesus. That's the call here. So then the question is, how? That always seems to be the question. How does this happen? How does Jesus transform us so that we will be the kind of people that run the race with endurance. This morning I want to draw out uh, just three things from the text that I think will encourage us in this race. We'll look at, first of all, what is set aside. Secondly, what is set before. And third, what our sights are set on. What is set set aside, what is set before, and what is set on. Let's do the first of those. To help us endure, let's see here what is set aside. Let me read again verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Now, the word lay aside, as it's translated here into English in my Bible, is often translated that way in many English versions, and it's not wrong to translate it as lay aside, but that can give us the wrong impression. Some laying aside something sounds too tame. And even if you don't know the original Greek that the Bible, the New Testament was written in, you can probably tell that the context of this is a little more intense than that. So this is the same word here used here when Herod throws John the Baptist into prison. So they seized him, they bound him, and then they laid him aside in prison. We know that that's not quite right. It should be, you know, they, they threw him in. The word's got a little more charge. It's got a little more energy in that. Uh, uh, it's maybe the word is closer to flinging or chucking. So this is something that you might do when you skip a stone or when you're tossing the big Hail Mary pass in football. So in other words here, part of our ability to endure the race is for us to set aside or to chuck with all of our energy something. Actually, there's some things If you're a close reader, you might notice that there are two things here, that we lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let's look at each of those. First, let's look at the the latter one. We are to lay aside or to chuck our sin. 
And some people might say at this moment, wait a minute, Nathan, wait, preacher. Hasn't Jesus already forgiven all of our sin? Hasn't Jesus already counted us righteous in him? Yes, that's true. It's called justification, that whoever puts their faith in Jesus, Jesus takes away the guilt of all of that sin, all of it, that on the cross, the punishment of God against uh, our sin was put on Jesus instead of us as an offering for sin. So the Christian does not need to fear before God judgment because of the perfect sacrifice of Christ. Praise God. However, even though our sin cannot condemn us, sin is still ravenous, and it seeks to destroy you. So we can view it like this. Let's say that our heart, ourselves, is like a city. And we like to think that our heart or ourself, uh, is, it's my city, so I am the king over it. But that is true for no one. Even without Jesus, apart from Jesus, we are not our own kings. Sin is our king. Sin reigns in us and is the master over us. So when the Christian puts faith in Jesus, Christ, the new king, takes over the heart. And he's a better and stronger king, so he will not, he cannot lose his throne. But sin is bitter angry at having lost its crown of power, so it moves into the suburbs, tries to live as close as it can to the castle. It clings as close as it can and will keep trying to make a move at the throne. Sin no longer has dominion, but it is still a forceful menace to be dealt with in our own lives. So the author here tells us, deal with it. Lay aside that sin. Do not let sin try to reclaim the crown in your life, even if it scratches and bites and claws at you as you do. You take that sin by the scruff of its neck and chuck it out of the city as hard as you can. Chuck it as far as away as you can, just like you're skipping a, throne, a stone or throwing a Hail Mary pass. Toss that sin out. It's more even than just getting rid of the sin. We even need to get rid of the tools of sin. The second thing mentioned, lay aside every weight and sin. We also need to chuck every weight. What is that? These are things that are not technically sins by themselves. But these are things that may lead us into sin. These are the gray areas which require a lot of wisdom and thought and may change according to context. These are the things that Paul says, you may remember, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. 
These are things that may hinder our faith and walk with Jesus. So it might be things like particular food or drink. It might be things like particular TV shows or movies, particular songs or books. These might even be certain hobbies or things we call collections that might consume us. And as we look at our own lives in this, there's a pretty easy test as to whether these are every weight. We just need to ask of the thing, is this helping me to run with endurance? Or is it only dead weight which is dragging me down? There are some of us, many of us even, who may be running this marathon like we're in a sack race. We've got burlap cinched around our our waist and it's tangling up in our feet as we go. Why do you let yourself run like this? Chuck it off. Lay aside these things so that you can run again. Now that said, I know, I know this is hard. There are certain things that are even very, very difficult. Matters that sink their teeth in so deep like addictions. I am aware of that. But sin will not give up without a fight. And Christian, listen, do not be discouraged. Even if you have fought against this sin many times before, do not believe the lie that you are hopelessly stuck with whatever weight or sin that clings to you. Don't make peace with it, but war against it with the truth of the gospel. Jesus is king. He is. And Jesus will strengthen you to struggle against it, to fight back, and to chuck it out with whatever strength you can muster again and again and again until the race is done. And in the process, you will not grow weaker. No, you will be made stronger as you depend more and more on Jesus for the endurance that you need. Take these things and set them aside. That's the first, the second here, the second that will help us run with endurance. We need to see what is set before. What is set before. So it's the race of life here at the end of verse 1. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. So have you ever run a race with little kids, like little littles? And and, and you say, okay, we're going to go from here to there. One, two, three, go. And then they just kind of take off in every which direction. Uh, Okay, I won because I got there faster and they're just over here picking dandelions suddenly. Uh, That's not exactly how this race goes. 
This is closer to a cross-country race, which has a particular path set in front of it. So when I ran in cross-country, part of what we would do to prepare for the race is to walk the entirety of the track beforehand. That way we'd be able to see and prepare as we run now. In the race of life, boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? We know that we can't walk this track beforehand to see exactly what is coming, but we can still prepare ourselves in some way. And the way that we can prepare ourselves is by setting the expectation that the terrain will vary that it is normal for the terrain to vary. We, we have to set in our minds and to know that there will be parts of the race that are wide and flat and even downhill. And there will be many, many other parts of the race that head into the woods that are steep, that are muddy. We need to fix in our minds that God has set all parts of that race before you to fix in our minds that we will trust him in every part of that race. I know that it can be tempting, especially if you're in a particularly difficult or painful leg of the race when you're just tired and thirsty. It can be tempting in those moments to get angry at God to accuse God of things. God, why are you doing this to me? God, why did you set things like this? God, why did you make me like this? God, if you're going to set this beforehand, at least give me a little bit of a heads up. But don't let yourself get stuck in the mud there. Do you think that everything would be better if God had not set a path before you? Do you think that everything would be better if God had let you set all of your own path? Do you think it would be better if God gave you an exact map of every detail to come? We might think that would be better, but is it? Is it really? I mean, we need to be careful about assuming that our hypothetical ideas of things would make a better reality. You cannot know that. What we can know is that if God has really set all parts of the race before you, he both knows and intends it to be that way. What you face then are not random events. They are not accidental events. God is not just chucking out gravel and making roads wherever it falls. The Lord has laid out this race according to his plan and purpose. The race then is going somewhere. And that's good. 
The author gives us a look at the path that Jesus took. We, of course, we know that he had to endure a lot, too. He endured, it says specifically here, the cross and the shame. He endured hostility uh, from sinners. He endured the shedding of his blood. All of this was part of the race that was setting, set before him, and yet it was also going somewhere. In verse 2, it says, he endured for the joy that was set before him. That was in his race, the joy set before him. We know our God is a good God. And he loves the creation that he has made. He even has a special love for the ones that he has adopted into his family as his own children. And so when this God sets a race before us, we can trust that his purpose is wise and good and loving, even if we can't see through the woods. If we let this reality settle into our hearts, it will not answer all of our doubts or questions, but it will help you run the race with endurance, the race that he has set before you. There's the second to see what is set before. Let's look at this final one. In helping us endure, we want to see what we set our sights on. What we set our sights on. The author here in this section talks about a great cloud of witnesses. He's looking backward into chapter 11. These are the ones who have lived and died in, in running the race of faith. And you remember, we've talked about this a bit of, before, that this cloud of witnesses is not watching us from the sky. There's not an indication that they see us. But in a sense, this cloud of witnesses is speaking to us. Not directly or through signs. What they say to us is to give testimony witness to the faithfulness of God. So we hear their voice in the words and pages of Scripture. So just like in a real race, to hear the voice of the crowd, to hear all of that cheering really can help. But... It will not help us. It may even cause us to stumble if we turn and set our eyes on that crowd. If you ever watch a runner, turn, I mean, usually his head is not turned to the side. He has set his sights on where he's headed. And the author reminds us here of something that we know, but we still need reminding of that verse 2, we're looking to Jesus. Verse 3, consider him. In other words, fix your eyes on Jesus, and this will help us to endure if, if, if we look to Jesus, it will help us to endure if we look to him in the right way. Otherwise, we may end up discouraged instead. Let me show you what I mean. So just this week, a major world record in the world of running was broken. Uh, a guy from Wisconsin named Zach Bitter broke the world record for the 100-mile race. Just swallowed my gum saying that. That sounds like a long way. He did it in 11 hours and 19 minutes. Just for comparison, 
100 miles is the distance from this building to the St. Louis Arch. Or is 400 times around a standard high school track. If I take one lap around a track, I need a break for a sandwich or something. Um, but, but Zach Bitter, it doesn't make it any better even that this guy is not some young, you know, teenager full of energy. He's one year younger than me. Okay. Um, so now, let's see. If I am on a jog, it will not help me in that race if someone else shouts out, you know, Zach Bitter ran 100 miles. So can you. Thanks. It will also not help me if someone yells out, you know, Zach Bitter can run a lot harder races than yours, so you've got this. Thanks. If people say those things, this will only weigh me down instead of lift me up. So when the author tells us that we're setting our sights on Jesus here, we are not, we are not setting our sights on Jesus as our example. We are not setting our sights on Jesus as some sort of hero to follow. Nor are we setting our sights on him as someone to compare to. He's not comparing us or even to the great cloud of witnesses for that matter. It's not to say, oh, if he can endure, if they can endure, then so can you. We know in Jesus' life and death, he endured a race that is much, much harder than a race that we will ever run. I mean, he endured the cross. He endured the physical agony of that, the emotional torment of that, the soul-crushing wrath of God of that as one who bore our sin Christ's endurance, then, is far superior and better than our own. The good news is, though, that Jesus is not set here as an example for us to mimic. He is set up here as the power for us to hold on to. Jesus is not the example of endurance. He is the power of endurance. He's described here as the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, if I can say this, is the Gatorade. From before the even starting gun to the very finish line and everywhere in between. And you are able to run this race because Christ is in you. That's how Paul was able to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. And he gives us a similar thing for us to hold on to in the book of Colossians. We'll ride this wave here into the shore. Colossians chapter 1. I want us to zoom in on the end, but I want to ride up into the end. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in the end of verse 27, which is, he says... Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may pre present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, 
struggling with all his energy, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Jesus is powerfully working. And if you find yourself growing weary or faint-hearted as you run the race of faith, set your sights again on Christ who is working in you. Repeat in your mind and heart as you run, Christ in me, the hope of glory. 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 And then, then, even if your shoes stick in the mud and come off your feet, you won't stop. You won't give up. You won't lose hope. Because Christ is in you to keep you running with endurance the race that is set before you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want this to be true of us. And yet it's so hard. We need you and your help. Would you help us to cast off sin and every weight so that we can endure? We cannot do this apart from you. Would you work your strength in us to your glory? We praise you for being the founder and finisher of our faith. Would you help us now to endure strong in you to the end? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.